What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Lucky Underdogs podcast. As always, it's your boy, DB, Devin Butler, and I got my dog with me. Oh, and it's your boy, CJ Procise, and you know we always here showcasing the underdogs, uh, the underdogs of the the week and the underdogs of the year, the guys who don't really get the opportunities, but when they get out there, they make the most out of their plays. So, but but today, man, we got a special guest, uh, my guy. (laughs) Man, a legend, Irish legend. Uh, since the day I since the day I committed, knew about Notre Dame, knew anything about Notre Dame. The first person I looked up was like Notre Dame legends, and Rocket Ishmael was like the top of the list. I looked at all your highlights, your whole everything, game, yeah. NFL, everything. And man, I'm always been a huge fan since the day I stepped on campus. So man, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on. Pleasure to have this combo with you, man. Man, That's thank you, young brothers, you. for having me on, man. And I'm looking forward to a, a great show. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Before we start, I just want to let both of y'all know how I know Rocket. Man, I'm going to let y'all know right now. Let's go, man. Yes, sir. Yo. So that's how I knew. That's how I knew the Rocket, man. Check, that's me. Bro, check this out. So this is how my life has been. I grew up a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Like my mm. first introduction of football, my I didn't even know it, but we were at a Super Bowl party. I was like five years old, and we were at this party. Man. All the adults were just like congregating, enjoying and stuff. And my sister was the only one watching this little TV. It was it was like a back back in the day, by a little bit like this, and it was black and white, and it was in the middle of the room on top of two milk crates. And I saw her like in an island, like all these people around her. If she was like the the lone individual sitting like crisscross applesauce on the floor watching television, and so I was like, "Yo, I'm about to go up and harass her." So I walk up behind her, and I'm about to harass her, and then all of a sudden, it's like I notice what's on the television. Long story short, it's the Cowboys, it's the Steelers. My sister. She's explaining what I'm watching. She's like, this is football, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, I like the Cowboys, and that's this team. I'm like, well, I don't like who you like, so I like the Steelers. I grew up a Steelers fan, and I'm, and, and so now, fast forward, um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's like my eighth or ninth, well, like, eighth year in the league, seventh year in the league, seventh or eighth year in the league, and I'm a free agent, and the Cowboys call me up. All these other teams call me. I just, I'm, I'm going to stay in Carolina. I'm not going anywhere. They call me up, and I'm like, uh, oh, wait a minute. I hate the Cowboys. I don't even like I, – I was warped when it came to, like, when we'd be playing against the Cowboys and I'm on the field and they're on the other side, like, my, my mind was just, like, was, was in a bad place. So – all of a sudden, Jerry Jones is like, hey, Rocket, uh, this is Jerry Jones, and we really want you to be a part of the Cowboys. Uh, and I was like, oh, okay, hey, Mr. Jones, how you doing? I said, uh, yeah, I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to stay here in Carolina. He's like, hold, hold, hold on now. Hold on. Hey, hey, we really want you. You don't have to make a decision right now. We got all off to you. Mind you, every other team I'm talking to, if I, as soon as I say thank you for calling me, but I don't want uh, – it's about five teams. They were like, oh, boom, on to the next one. We appreciate you. Thank you. And, and move on. Man, long story short, we flew down there. 
I ended up with the Cowboys. But why that's profound for me is because I understood that where the Most High wanted me to go in my life and has destined for me and the work that I have to do, it's so important and significant that there can't be, um, there's a scripture that says, um, uh, the enemy goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I didn't realize this, but there are things in my life that I'm aware of that I'm like, yo, that's a vulnerability spot that the enemy can 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 uh, come and take advantage of. So I have to be on, I got to be on like, man, Lord, I got to keep this before you so I don't get got. But there's other parts mm-hmm. in my life I don't even have a clue that are vulnerable and I can get got. And the hate that I have for the Cowboys and on the level that I had for them was one of those spots. And it, and, and why it was, not, why I wasn't aware of it is because in our culture, and I'm talking about Western culture, in our culture, there are, there are certain areas where you're allowed to emote in a hateful way that is acceptable across the culture and sports is one of them. And mm-hmm. I it had gotten so perverted in my heart that I didn't even, I, it, and, and, and if I communicated that to other people, they'd be like, well, I hate the, the Eagles or I hate uh, Washington, I hate whatever. Man, no one really like have ears to hear like, hey, young bud, you better need to get that right. Because then I'd look at it like, yeah, right, crazy, it's just sports. Nah, bruh, it's really on a, a deeper level of connection. So anyway, mm-hmm. I love the Cowboys now. I love yeah. it. I appreciate it. <laughs> I got yes, my sir. And, and uh and I'm like everybody else, man. We're going to the Super Bowl this year. I do get this. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to do. Hey, hey, like, I love that. I love that conversation. <laughs> man, man. Mm-hmm. But yeah, bro, I I I'm I nothing but love from me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nah, I dig that, man. Yeah. Oh, so man. one of my earliest memories was when you caught that touchdown pass from Troy Aikman at overtime versus uh, the Skins. I was shit, like, I'm talking about a baby, a baby boy. Yeah, Bruh. CJ, you're going to have to deal. Yeah, we, yeah you're going to have to deal with a little oh, bit of this cowboy fanboy right hey. now. Man. I'm sorry, bro. I'm I already sorry, knew what it was. Bruh, check this out. That So now, mind you, my it's like that first game it is a it's like a surreal moment because it's like all those years of hating and energy I just expended on a negative now we're in a brand new stadium Washington FedEx field we're the mm-hmm. we're the prime time noon ish game maybe early afternoon game for national television, Jet, watch this. When I came to all oh, my recruiting, I guess it's called a recruiting visit, down to, to check out the Cowboys, Jerry Jones was adamant about, now, Rocket, I know the Patriots are running the roost right now, but when the Cowboys are on television, 20 million more fans watch the game and I have the papers. And he was, like, adamant about that. So in my mind, I'm like, 20 million more fans are watching this game and all the NFL is because it was kind of like the early, it was the way it was positioned. It was a premier afternoon game. So when I get in the huddle, I get in the huddle, I'm looking across and there's Michael Irvin. Yo, that brother is profound. Let me tell you something. Anyway, I, I, I can talk about him the whole thing. He is a profound human. That's That being said, I'm looking across, I'm like, oh snap, it's Mike. And then I'm like, 
Troy is calling a play, and I'm the first option. Yo, Emmett's right there. Moose is right there. Big E is right there. Larry Allen is right there. Mark Sebnowski, like all the guys that were significant in their their, their glory days. And I'm sitting, and then I'm like, and then there's me. What is happening, Lord? Like it was a, it it was akin to my first Notre Dame game, and I didn't, I wasn't even going to play in the first game. We were playing Michigan. It was a, a night game, 1988, 35 years ago, and I remember, I was so. I don't know if shook is the word, but I was so emotionally unstable. And when I say unstable, I, I didn't know how to like, like just like lock in and, and have like that ultimate confidence that I did when I was in high school. And I was like, yo, even if I have like the butterflies or the anxiety or the fear and stuff, I'm like, oh man, once the ball is snapped, it's about to be O-N, son. What's that spell? Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. I am feeling like what? And... I was just like, man. And then it was like a movie almost because it was like before we knew we started. The very first, that same play that we called in overtime, we ran that in like the first quarter. And you know how it's like 80 degrees. I don't know. It was like 90 degrees, but the humidity is high. So it's really hot. Oh, yeah, that's that's where I grew up. So I'm oh yeah, I grew up out there. So yeah, it was old, yeah, that was perfect for me. Love the big play, especially when you're you know just getting ready. We call a play, and and now at that point in my career, I was real savvy. I knew how to play the head games. I knew how. So I was like, okay, Daryl Green is on me, and I know he got the. Cause he was still fast. He might not have been as explosive, but he was fast. So I was like, I'm a, I'm gonna cut my split real short. And I, and I know it's going to be a play action to Emmett. And I know that I can see the safety, the strong safety, get ready to come up. So I'm going to run at him full speed. And then at the last minute, boom. And all of a sudden, I'm in the clear. I hear the sound of the crowd. Like, they're like, how they can see the play developing. They're like, whoa. <laughs> I, I, I can hear all that. Man, I turn around. And the ball is like, this is like the second time this happened to me in my football life. The ball is like so high in the sky. It's like one time I was return, uh, returning punts and it was like the ball was so high and the sky was so blue, it like mesmerized me. And I was just like, oh, okay. And before you know it, the ball came down like beep, 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 beep. And I dropped that plug. I take the walk of shame back to the huddle. And I'm so mad at myself because I'm like, man, I know how it is when you're like, no, we don't got brought this guy in he's terrible blah 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 so i get in the huddle and nobody said nothing but big e he looked at me and you know he was the right tackle he looked and he was the only one that could give reggie white back in reggie white's prime he was the only lineman that can give reggie white like all he wanted like it was no joke reggie white was a pumpkin man and he had his arms wrapped up all the way up and down like a modern day mummy. He looked at me. He said, bleepity bleep, blah, 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 blah. And all I know is I hear him. He reaches his arm back like this. And, Wham! He hit me on the side of my head. Bruh, for the rest of the first half, my uh boom, my left arm was numb. The whole he like he pinched the nerve, son. But oh, it was, man. I was so I was so ashamed 
that I was like, you know what? I needed that. Dag nabbit. And long story short, the game ends up, oh, check this out. We're in the huddle. This is how bad Michael Irv. This is one of the awesomeness about Mike. We're in the huddle. And they had their game plan. They put uh they put Champ Bailey, who was a young, right out of Georgia. He was about six foot one and a half, maybe six two, real slim, lean, like thoroughbred DB, ultra, ultra, ultra athletic. So they were like, okay, they figured he could be physical with Mike. And they put Daryl Green on me because he's still fast and he could keep up. It, both of them could keep up with me, but he's more, uh, he, he, him more so. And I'm not that big of a physical mismatch to Daryl Green as Michael it would be to Daryl Green. So, they put him on me. Mike is in the huddle. And on like two series, he was like, Troy, I'm going to get him that hook on the inside. I'm going to be like I'm doing it, a comeback. But then I'm going to get him with that spinning move, and I'm going to be open on the ride. And, and, and Troy was like, Troy was like, all right, bro. <laughs> Both times it Money. turned into big plays and touchdowns. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. And I mean, Mike is like dissecting them. He'd come back to the huddle and he would be like, oh, and, and, and Mike, he was the heart of that team. Like if he didn't get yeah. hurt in uh, the fourth, like we played Philly, he, he got, he got on a slant and they, they jacked his neck up. If he didn't get hurt, we would have went deep in the playoffs. Like that was the first time I was like, okay, this is the first time I'm on a team where the quarterback yeah. isn't the heart. And so like the quarterback is, and this is the other thing, Mike's personality, he didn't like bullies. So he would, he, he would, he would, he would challenge you, but he would never yeah. bully you. But if somebody on it, like if it was a big dude and he was like a, some trying to bully some little receiver or something, bruh, Mike went over, he'll grab some scissors and stab you in the neck. Like it ain't, it ain't no joke. He ain't, he not putting up with nobody bullying, nobody on that team. So, and he was the heart and soul. So it was like, I learned so much by being on those teams and being around those iconic players from uh, the nineties with the Cowboys and being on the tail to that, bro. It was, it was a, a, a great experience. And I'm thankful because if I would have succumbed to the hate and was just been like, man, I, the heck with them. I never would have been able to have add that to my, to my character, my development moving forward. Beautiful, man. That's beautiful, man. I appreciate you for sharing that, dog. Oh, yeah. And we'll, 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 we'll transition to some Notre Dame talk now. I know, I know CJ. I know CJ, like, but I, I had to. I had to, man. That just, yeah, that just made my childhood. That just made my childhood. Right there, man. That just made my childhood. Right there, man. But, yeah, so, all right. So, see, I'll let you go. See, you got the you got a question for me. You got, yeah, you got man. So, you know, you I mean, I guess, you know, we, you know, Going covering Notre Dame this season, you know. I mean, at this point, mm-hmm. the season is kind of kind of over with. We we looking for the next game. I mean, next next year. So, I mean, you know, we're going going in the senior senior game, senior game. So, really, I just wanted to ask you, like, you know, your time is your time at Notre Dame. You know, what, what do you, you know, I guess, what do you see from Coach Freeman that you feel like, you know, is is he is he the right right guy going forward? You know. So for me, I like the very first game. I was like, ooh, in in the colloquialism of my era, yo, my man is shook. Like that first bowl game, I I was like, okay, he's learning on the job. Like that's how I yeah. felt. Right. And so 
I, I couldn't be mad at it. I was I was happy that he got the job. I was happy that the players were happy that he got the job. I was happy, and, and it was interesting because remember when Coach Kelly um, got he hired him. Whenever he hired him in the process, mm-hmm. one of the, and I thought it was weird that he said this, but was he was weird. like, you know, I just hired the next head coach of Notre Dame. And yeah. I was like, wait, he's defensive coordinator. What is okay? And it just, you know, it just went over like a regular, uh, not a regular comment, like an irregular comment. But mm-hmm. I was like, okay, that's down the line, ten years right. or so, you're gonna be. There. But anyway, so I, I I knew he had to do some on the job training. But then this is what I liked. I liked how when I don't how remember how far along in the time that he was the head coach and the season had started. But he went to go and talk to Coach Holtz. And it's, it's, it's very important when you have elders who have walked the path that you're walking and you have access to them that you use that. That's one of one of the things, one of the weaknesses that I've had that where when I was younger, I had access to people, but I always felt like I would be bothering them. Or I felt, I think I had such a, my, my, my esteem of myself um, was so low that I was, I wouldn't take, not that taking advantages in a negative light, but I wouldn't take advantage of the, the wisdom that was available. So right. I like that. And then I like that he has Al Golden on his staff because Al Golden was a young, I think he was a young defensive coordinator or linebacker coach or something when he was down at Miami. And, mm-hmm, yeah. you know, Miami is a, a for, from my days, Miami is a, a legendary program as well. Absolutely. So I like how he so put somebody on his staff who has a similar experience in the background. And then now you're moved to the foreground and, and, like that he's wise enough that he's wise enough to do that. And so so those things made me like him. And then I what I also like, and this is something that that Charlie Weiss was really good at, he reached out to the former players and mm-hmm. was like intentional about, man, we want y'all back and we're not closing the doors and we're not just making it about this team and and such and 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 that that spirit is i believe what's going to allow him in the in the long run to be very successful yeah definitely definitely yeah i've I've always been impressed with coach freeman i think he's they're definitely a great great ad for notre dame and i think he's gonna have a leave a great legacy in his time there once it's all said and done yes Um, yes so, well, one question that I, I wanted to bring up as uh, we're talking about Notre Dame and senior days coming up, and I just thought this was a crazy number. I don't know if this if this was a lot, but thirty one seniors are going to be honored yeah, uh, on Saturday. Thirty one. That's 31. a lot of news. I think yeah, he, I think Freeman said something like if the if they were like not the, if they didn't know if they were going to come back or not. They can right. Have, yeah. So some of them might come back, but okay. he's okay. giving he's giving some guys the chance, then the opportunity yeah. that if you so decide yeah. to leave, yeah. you got the opportunity to to walk around and, and be honored as a senior at Notre Dame. And I think that is That's probably smart. some of the coolest stuff ever. Because 
I yeah. personally never got to do that at Notre Dame. I uh, I got into some off the field troubles my senior <laughs> year, didn't get to play, and um, but I got my I got the the frame jersey and you know the, the one with the little thank you for you know your your years at Notre Dame. But it's something about being able to walk out there, and have your family out there in that field, to something different. Man, let me tell you something. I also never had that experience because. After my junior years, after we played the bowl game my junior year, and so it, it's now 1991, and we were in, we were in uh, Florida, in the Orange Bowl in Miami. Flew home, and I wake up. My brother's like, "Yo, uh, you know, Chris Zorris's mother died. He found his mother, and it was national news." And I remember, I it, that shook me up, man. I was like, "Oh snap!" Like, and it was like. Your parents can die while you're in college. Like it was like a, it. My father, my father died when I was ten. But I, in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm gonna get these four years, then go to NFL, and I'm, you know, provide for my mother and everything. And I thought that that would be further down the road. All of a sudden, it was like, oh, reality came, and it was like I remember sitting there in the room. And I was like, man, well, I guess I, everybody said I can go pro. I'm, I'm a, I guess I'm gonna go pro. So I never got a chance to do the senior day, which I hate. I was voted captain. Um, Rodney Culver, myself, uh, were were voted the captains for the what was going to be our senior year. So I never got a chance to do that. Never got my equipment, my helmet. Uh, never got any of the. Uh, I don't like you said you got a, a letter or something. I, n- none of those things. Um, so I do think that is a. a it's it's cool, and I think it's cool that Marcus, even guys who might not know that they're they don't know if they're going to come back or not, still give yeah. them a chance. Even if they do come back, they still have the chance to 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 do that walk. That's that is a that's a blessing, man. And I, and and I think I don't know when you're younger if I don't know if it you appreciate it as much as you do when you get older. But I right. but now, man, I appreciate all the stuff that I didn't really see the value in. When I was younger, or I didn't see as much value in as I when I was younger, and so man, salute to him, salute to all the seniors, and even body guys that are might walk out that tunnel and then they come back. We see them again next year. So, mm-hmm. so we'll have to double salute you. But yeah, man, I think right. that's that's honorable. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I thought that was one of the coolest things. It, it reminded me of um back in the day, like in, not back in the day, but 2012, when uh, Jadavion Clowney, he got to walk out on senior day when he was a true junior. And I remember everybody was like, oh man, that's crazy. That's not even right. But at the same time, I mean, that man, like that, he came, he did what he could for this program. And like, so whoever that coach was, was way ahead of his time. That's something that we're going to see now. Cause yeah, dudes need to be honored regardless. Like Like, if you come in and you quit. Everybody know Joe all gonna be a top five pick. So like, right, right, man, I love that. If your coach, man, mm-hmm. true, you go in your coach's office and they're like, son, and I mean, I love to have you back, but uh, you about to get the, the yeah. next level is about yeah. to be the next thing you need yeah. to go to, man. I love that. That is so. That is great. That is great. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, big big shout out to Coach Freeman for that one, man. Yeah. Big big yes. shout out. Yeah, man. For yes. Sure. So like I had another one. I do want to ask. I want to ask because you know it's been a, a long time. I, I think were you on the last national championship team that that I know 
Bro, I, so. I was on the last national championship team. I went to the last national championship game. Oh, man, that was not a good experience. <laughs> Bro, that game, yo, and this is legitimate, real. In the stadium, because it was down at the Orange I don't know why oh, I'm not orange board, Miami Stadium, whatever they I don't know what the name of it is. Yeah, I was there. And bruh, walking around after this first half, the my uh the Alabama fans, they were so angry. Like I was walking, they were just they would they I saw them all over the stadium. They were just like, just like, just like, man, why did we even come to this game? This is terrible. We don't spend all this money now. We about to be blowing this team out. This is not even a game. This is terrible. Like all oh, of them man. disappointed. And, the fans disappointed in the W. Damn, Bruh, I was like, "What has happened to college football?" But yes, man. I was a part of that last thirty-five years ago, bruh. That junk, man. I thought we was about to get in. Oh, take you back, man. Tell you that's how like, that's how it is, yeah. But you know what, what? What made that team just different? You know, like what? You know, the, kind of the, was it just the relationships, or was it just the you know, these guys were just talented, but like, what really what made that team different? Right? The thing that I think ultimately made it different, and what kept us from having the, you know, how you have the big game, and then you play somebody that on paper, man, you're supposed to beat these cats, and then they, you don't beat them. What kept us from that was we had a one, we had like, I don't know maybe five strategic fifth year seniors that mm-hmm. they were like their mentality was such that they you're, you you know they're running out of time to play in college football and they understand that hey man when you're starting to win and you're starting to have success they didn't take it for granted yeah. i as a freshman subconsciously i'm probably i'm i'm just happy to be there first of all and yeah. it's like my dream. I found out about Notre Dame, then all of a sudden I can go to Notre Dame. I'm like, what the hell is this going? So I'm I'm just happy because of that. And now the gravity of man, I remember Coach Holtz told one of the guys was Rod West. He was a highly recruited cat out. I think it was out of Louisiana. I'm not sure, but he told Rod West on his visit uh, because other t- other schools were you know big time schools were offering Rod. He says, son, your ass can come and be a part of one of the greatest transformations in the history of college football. Or your ass can go someplace else and watch it happen on TV. Like, <laughs> he knew. That's a good, you got the impressions. Bro, I ain't gonna lie, you got bro, the impressions, Rocky. You got them joints down pat, yeah, you got I, I feel like, I'm, I, I feel like I'm, I, and I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm easily in the top seven. I'm easily in the top seven yeah. when it comes to Coach Holt's impersonation. I just want to let that be known. Let's set the record straight. So all okay. of a sudden, that like that mentality, our coach had that, and then and and then it's the other thing. He had a very like he was a a little like he might have weighed 150 pounds at the most like the entire time like really like five ten and a half maybe like but he little. But he, he, he's so quick-witted and so ahead of where most guys are that can be beneficial. Like, he knows how to, to motivate, to inspire. And then you have those fifth-year seniors. Then he was an amazing recruiter. So he every class is loaded with all of these 
outstanding athletes and he had a very good like I didn't even know he was the offensive coordinator like he would call a play and like he he just had a grasp of and we just shot in Orlando last week we shot a uh he's doing a documentary is going to be released like in uh maybe some end of 2024 early 25 something like that and one thing about coach Holtz, and this is another um ingredient as to what made that team that team in that era that era he any game that a position struggled in the next week and it was like clockwork the next week because he was one of those like almost like ceo head coaches but he was he was a ceo head coach but he was in the in the mix he would coach that position the entire next week offense defense no matter of the the line dbs special team whatever and so he felt like as a head coach you need to know how to coach every position and not that you're going to coach every position but you need to know and you need to know the what allows each position what the fundamentals are that allows them to flourish because if you have a supremely talented athlete and their fundamentals are intact, they're going to succeed more than they fail. And so that was one of the main ingredients. And this is the other thing, and, and this is something that I, I, I've, I've learned to appreciate as I was introduced maybe about 15 years ago to like uh, quantum physics, they call it quantum mechanics, and just the, mm -hmm. the power of, you know how when people die, they say our thoughts and prayers are with you. And I should be like, well, how can I just say a prayer? What you, what's your thoughts? Your thoughts are energy as well. Energy. And when there's a collective and 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 one specific thought, when when all the thoughts are in agreement for one uh principal thing to be accomplished, then it in even though it's in the, the thought realm, if you will, which is like the spirit realm, it affects the the, the natural realm. So I say that to say those thoughts were in the zeitgeist, people who were in a position of authority who remembered Notre Dame in the in the 70s uh, succeeded and then all of a sudden it dropped off. It's like they started getting excited because of what was what, what was their youth was looked like it was a, a resurgence. And then we uh, uh, we like, we get a call here or a call there. Next thing you know, man, we getting ready to we're going to finish the season undefeated and, and win a national championship. So it was like all those so many different little things that added to the whole came together at one time and that for me is why we were able to win a national championship that year and the, the when i the first thing that i said now the fifth year guys after our freshman year are gone and so the next year it's like we, 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 I think we were like a 23 game winning streak or something crazy. And here comes Stanford and Stanford is on paper. Come on, man. These cats aren't supposed to beat us. And what I, I remember I, I got uh, dinged up the, the week before. So that as a precaution, they, they kept me out of the game. And I remember all of a sudden it's the, you know, we, we, we're, we're out there and we're, we're going, it's, it's like we're going through the motions, not in a like a lazy way, but it's like we're just doing what we normally do. 
but it's like we're not locked in. Next thing you know, we're in a battle and we find ourselves coming back in like on like needing the last drive of the, the fourth quarter to, to come back. Coach, we get in the red zone. Coach Holtz calls a timeout. I'm standing right next to him the whole game. He literally gets on his knee. He calls a protection and then he draws a play that we never ran. He draws it in the dirt. And long story short, everything worked just like he said, except the defensive end that the tailback had the block. He got more momentum and he was further in the backfield than otherwise should have been. So Rick Meyer, who's the quarterback, instead of him throwing and following through, he had to throw off his back foot and the ball was just short of a wide open Derrick Brown in the end zone. So it was like, if I, I believe if we would have had like the leadership that we had the year before from a player perspective, I feel like we probably would have had two of uh, some back-to-back uh, wins. And Coach Holtz did share this. When we went down to Miami that year, one of the things that he did unwittingly was he made sure that we knew if anybody got into a fight or if anybody, because Miami, they would always try to punk us. And my freshman year, they tried that. And, you know, even though the search said Catholic versus convicts, it could have easily said convict versus convicts if we really, really wanted to, like, get to the heat of the matter. It wasn't, we were just like borderline convict. I mean, I remember Todd Light's father said, hey, man, the key is you just got to get a thug who listens to his father. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. We yeah, had a yeah. lot of guys mm-hmm. on our team. Who had to, <laughs> but they had fathers that they listened to. So it was like it wasn't it didn't get out of control. Now they now they're dealing mm-hmm. with the law. So the uh, the mentality that we went into the Miami game with was man coach he he felt like he inhibited us and he took away man football's an emotional game and hey man it that's just what it is and especially back yeah. then so we went into that game we lost the Stanford game and then we went into the Miami game and we essentially is like one hand tied behind our back hostile environment we ended up getting the, the getting the brakes beat off us and this also I remember when we came back from that game, because that was the last game of the season, he he called me to his office and he told me that not only was that uh, emotional uh, restriction put on us, but he said he should have had me in the backfield because we were more of a running team. We were like, we threw every once in a while, but we were more three yards in a cloud of dust. And he said, like, son, I did your disservice. I should have put you in the backfield. He said, every time you touched the ball, you were getting like 10 yards a clip. And the way the environment was going, I should have just hand it to you. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to put you at tailback going into the bowl game. And so I played tailback against in the Orange Bowl, but we already lost two games. So we finished in, a, I don't know, top four or three. And I think Miami might have ended up winning national championship. But it's a lot, just like a lot of little things like that, man, that go into winning. and I know I'm talking a long time, so I'll stop. <laughs> you, no, 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 you're good, good, man. Listen, because that's that's what we needed to know, yeah. and that's like the perfect storm, and you're giving that insight that a lot of people don't have and a lot of people need, you know what I mean? Because this is this is the stuff that's going to help 
to let these younger cats know how you build that formula, how you build that mm-hmm. that right recipe, how you make those right ingredients so yes. that you can have that winning product, man. So you yes. can get out a championship meal, man, because that's what we need. It's been 35 years. It's been way, mm-hmm. way too long since Notre Dame's had that. I feel like in our time, CJ, we were very, very close. Like we had just some things that was missing. I ain't going to say what was missing. I can't call it. I mean, I can yeah. state my opinion on what it was. Yeah, but I mean, I know we we just had some things missing. I mean, the stuff that you was talking about, we had a lot of those things, but it was some things of that that we didn't quite have. We didn't have a little host or nothing like that. I'm we definitely right have now. a new host. <laughs> we have one of those. We ain't had an admin like that. We ain't yeah. have one of those hey, guys that was holding Co- it down like that. Bro, Coach Holtz, he's he's like a a generational cat. Like even yeah. when I see dudes like Nick Saban. Like Nick Saban, uh, I don't know how his 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 football to me is on point, but he reminds me more of Belichick. But it was yeah. like mm-hmm. Coach Holt was like had a the the fear that you have of Belichick, and but he has the the wittiness and the and the the, the quick zingers, and then the caring, uh, like he has all like it's all, and it's like that's a that's a that's a rare, like I said, I, mm-hmm. he's like you know how in in, in football they'll say oh. So and so is a generational talent. Coach Holtz mm-hmm. is like a generational talent kind of guy in the coaching room. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He I reminds me a lot of that, like Pete Carroll. Just like their kind of like demeanor as far as like players coach. Mm-hmm. As far you know mm-hmm. the, how they you know they're I don't I'm like Pete you know Pete's a like genius football mind as far as you know defense wise and. So I mean, I never seen him drop a plane of dirt, you know, like no Lulu Hall. <laughs> yeah, you feel me? That's that's yeah. next level, though. That's yeah, next level. Next level. Right? I, I, can't, I can't speak for, for that, but no, as far as like the demeanor and like just the motive, like the motivation, like on a day to day basis, I feel like it kind of it kind of like relates because I I just like just from hearing to, like Coach Holt speak a couple times, like it it kind of gave me that Pete Carroll the, the vibes because they just both just, the motive motivation wise they just be like really really good just every day can just I, get you going. Somehow. That's a, that's a that's a great. I, I like that comparison. I didn't even think about that. And I remember after he, I remember his first NFL stint when he was with the Patriots, and, and they weren't like thinking about how the Patriots yeah. are now. They weren't mm-hmm. like like that. Um, and it, and I remember reading something on him or hearing something, and I remember it was like he he was like he wasn't going. Uh, and and I'm paraphrasing, of course. But he wasn't going to stand for not being able to reach his full potential. And he did. There were certain things that were, were philosophies that he was starting to to enrich himself with and or attitude uh, adjustments and things that. And then, man, he went to SC. Man, that thing just took off. And then he brought it to the NFL. Bam, took off again. So I, I, I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, for sure. No, that's mm-hmm. Yeah, Carol's definitely one of those those one of those moms, motivators of men, one of those great Ooh, motivators of men. Man. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, definitely. So I, I I definitely wanted to touch on on two things. It's kind of like a two parter. Okay. So I I did my fifth year at Syracuse. And you know, I know your bro was there. Oh yeah, they had quite, they had him all over the spot, just like how you all over the place. At Notre Dame, bro, is all <laughs> over the spot. That accused, man, I'm telling you, that's his spot, man. Bruh, bruh, so watch this. I remember I was doing, I don't know, I was doing something, and there was a guy there, and the guy said, hey, don't you find it interesting that you went to Notre Dame and your brother went to Syracuse? 
And I I knew he was trying to bring out a, a deeper meaning, but I was like, uh, no, he was pretty good athletes, blah, blah, blah. But and, and he wasn't even on that level. He was like, hey, man, uh, do the research of Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish, and then do the research of the Orangemen. And, and in my mind, I'm just like, I just figured the Orangemen was somebody that came out of Florida, land of the oranges, came up there, had the money, started school, and it orange grew <laughs> It's, no, it's, long tribe, short, yeah. it's a reason why the Irish flag is uh, orange, white, and green. It turns out that the Orangemen were the Protestants that ruled the island and that the fighting Irish were the Catholics and the conflict that they had. And Syracuse got their name from the Protestants that on the Irish islands were in control and had the conflict with the with the Catholics and the Notre Dame. We already know we we down with the uh, the Catholics. So uh, the fact that both of us went to like faction schools on that level, but <laughs> on a, on a, on another level for me and for my brother, when we were in high school, so I'm talking uh, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 88, like we had junior and senior high school in the same building. Man, Syracuse football was in the Don East McPherson was doing his thing. Bruh. Mm-hmm. They were the beast mm-hmm. of the East. They had the fire facility. The carrier dome was no the joke. Dome. They had the senior housing on top of the hill, sky top, of, I think it's called a hilltop, something like that. Yeah. With, with the apartments and all. Man, the facility, the, the hoop squad was like they were the they were the beast of the east. Like nobody was coming up to yeah. when we were in high school. I don't care what your rank was, nobody was coming up to Syracuse, any team in the country, and thinking they're gonna have an easy day. It was not happening. So I just like that was a, a pivotal moment. Like we would so look forward to making that three hour drive from Wilkesbury all the way up to the mountain. I mean, all the way up to upstate New York, to Syracuse, and it was it was lovely. And then Bruh, the first time I ran a fast 40 was at Syracuse. I'll never forget it. And I think it was my uh, the summer uh, before junior year. And it was a football camp, about 300 little boys up there. And, you know, Penn State was in the region, so going to Penn State was a big deal. Going to Syracuse was a big deal. Bruh, my freshman year in high school, I ran a four seven, but I thought I was blazing because nobody was beating me. I'm telling you, when I was in Newark, I was like top, and 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 I was, I was always a little dude. I didn't weigh a hundred pounds till after my sophomore year. So I mean, I was always a little dude. Oh shit! Oh man, it was crazy. They'd be leaning all the time, leaning to the side. So all of a sudden, I'm thinking four seven is blazing. So we go up to the camp. And they just take us to the carry dome. I remember it was Mike Wosick, uh, Randy Etzel, and I think Ivan Fears. Those were the coaches that were running the the um, the the forty. And they were like, "Yo, mm-hmm. run down." Coach Etzel was down there with the the, the stopwatch at the, the finish line. He's like, "Hey, uh, uh, run down to him. He, he's going to give you a time. Then you come back in line and you give it to us. We'll mark it down, and then the next in line." And there was so many of us. They had to like go go. Mm-hmm. Bam, bam, bam. So my turn to get up. Mind you, I just know 
I'm about to run a four seven four six. Like I just felt like this was about to be O N son, and we already know that spells on. So now mm -hmm. I'm down. Come out, and you know you slow down, then you turn around, you come back. Well, <laughs> they were holding. Let me see how they did it. They were holding their stop, and they were looking at the, the watches like this. And so I was waiting. I said, uh, "Coach, what did I run?" Randy Estes looked over at the. Uh, I think it was Ivan Fury. Over, he said. Hey man, what'd you get? And then Ivan was looking at it like, yeah, man, <laughs> and then they both looked at me and said, Hey, can you run that again? I was like, Oh, okay. So I jogged back. I was like, Hey, what's your time? I was like, I don't know. They told me I have to run it again. They're like, Oh, geez, we got all these. Dinners. I'm like, Hey, I just get out, get out, do your thing. So I get down, <laughs> bam. I come out, I turn around to go back. They're gone. They're not even there anymore. <laughs> and you know how Syracuse, the field and the stands are like right there. It's right, right up there. front. Mm -hmm. All the coaches and the parents and like like the little brothers, they're, everybody's in the stands. It might have been about 200 adults in the stands. And so they're over there and they're having this big powwow with all these coaches around them. And so <laughs> when I was little, Anytime adults were talking and the the children tried to like eavesdrop or come over and say, what y'all doing? Hey, boy, you, it's not a grown folks business. Enough, they, yeah. That's what they did to me. I came over there to get my time and they're like, Let's go back down there. I was like, oh. So I go back down and the coach was like, what's your time? I was like, they wouldn't give it to me. All of a sudden, like an audible wave, like how they do a wave, but it was just with the, the acoustic, the sound, you just hear, they're like, you know, only 40 yards away. It's like, and then as it got about 20 yards away, you hear, four, three, three, four, three. He ran a four, three, four, three, four, three. Bro. Blazing. I was like, wait, four, three? It was like if somebody would say you ran a four, one today, that's the, that's the end. I was like, Wait, I can run a fourth. What? I remember my coach, my coach and, and uh, uh, Mr. Dwyer, he was the a volunteer parent coach. Man, soon as they fourth, the whole, all like, like I said, it was about, it was about 200 adults, it was about 300 uh, little young football people. Everybody was like, oh, man. <laughs> and my coach came to him. Hey, back home. And that, so for me, Syracuse in in my life growing up and in my athletic life, it was a significant part of yes. the development and the 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 realization that the dreams that I had when I was a youngster the, and how I imagined myself, it had a significant role in confirming that, hey man, what you imagined is now going to manifest and be reality. And so mm -hmm. it, it holds a special place in my heart for sure. Yeah. Is that how you got the nickname Rocket? Is that where oh, Rocket came from or where no, did Rocket come from? Out. Check this out. Yeah. Seventh grade. Oh, we're going viral. We're going viral yeah. with this one. With the expander of the Rocket. We're going viral. We're going we uh, so, so we get to the, the high school in seventh grade. Uh... I ran track in 
in uh what do they call it the Pennsylvania uh Dagnabbit the uh, no 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 um <laughs> not it's not AAU Keystone State games Keystone State oh, games. okay so okay. I run track in the summer in the Keystone State games and like like I said I was really tiny in a hundred in the seventh grade I was running like twelve flat like I was blazing but if you were like a little taller and a little more physically mature. I never got beat, but I got tied twice, man. These big old white boys was on some straight, looking like they was on steroids in seventh grade. They was coming in like, yeah. And I'm like, ah. uh, so now, so now it's eighth grade and you're allowed to go off a track. I go off a track and in Pennsylvania, the snow is still on the ground in the winter time. Well, in the transition from the winter to the fall, uh, to, mm-hmm. or to the spring. So, we had to practice indoors. Our coach, his name was uh, James Jim Cross. They called him Boss Cross. And he was built like a, a, a well-built fire hydrant. My man was stocky, about five, seven, seven and a half, maybe five, eight-ish. In that and he had a drill. And they didn't call it the dry phase back then, but... He was teaching us how to come out the blocks and to to bring the example home at a certain distance. He put a dollar bill on the ground and that dog on dollar bill, he said, if you come out the blocks correctly, you can swoop the dollar up and simultaneously and still keep your your, your uh, drive phase on and you can finish it. So you can finish it correctly. We, because being in eighth grade, we're in the end of, we're at the back of the line in the upperclassmen, you know, setting the example in the front of the line. It might've been about 12 or 15 sprinters with the senior high and a junior high combined. So everybody's going, everybody's going, nobody's picking up a dollar. Everybody's going, everybody's going, nobody's picking up a dollar. And now it's my turn. So I get in the blocks and I just, I come out, scoop it up. And he's like, hey, oh, this other thing. He spoke like the penguin from Batman back in the day. And (laughs) if you watch the old school Batman with Adam West and them cats. Adam West, yeah. (laughs) That's how he talked. (laughs) I came out, so I I, I did it. He's like, hey, 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 wait. Hey, come here, come here, come here. Did you see that? that? He's talking to all the people, but they're like, he's like, do it, do it again, do it again, do it again. So I was like, okay. So he puts the dollar back down with, and I and I get in the blocks. Bang, I pick it up. And he's going, but he's like, hey, hey, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Hey, come here. Wait. He came out the blocks like a rocket. And man, <laughs> and, and this is no exaggeration. From that day to this day, that is what I've been called. And it has been appropriate on so many levels, even not even on just the, the speed level, but uh, even the most high showed me the, the spiritual meaning of it, man. The extension, it, the it, extension it, it, of it. Yes, it was a significant time. And it was eighth grade when it when it first happened. Salute to uh, Boss Cross, our, the, the, the high school track coach uh, that made that thing come to be. 
Shout out to Boss Cross now for sure. That's yeah, that's a good story right there, man. The Rocket, yo. That could be the best nickname of all. Like that could be the best nickname of all time. He got to yeah. Boss Cross got to be in the Hall of Fame of nickname giving from that long period, yo. Right, you know what? I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you what's hilarious. It's not hilarious, but it. it, I I pondered this several times. So, for the first. 10, 11, 12 years of my life, I was born a Muslim. My, my father studied at LSR University, mm-hmm. Cairo. You know, he was a Christian, but mm-hmm. then, you know, white people was not representing what the, what the most high is supposed to be representing back in the day. So he went overseas, taught English at LSR University, became fluent in Arabic, became a chef, and was like, yo, this is the religion, this is how, this is the spiritual pattern black people are supposed to follow. And if it wasn't for the fact that it had, and this is my experience when I was a young, I was about two years old, I started having these, I thought I was having nightmares. Ends up, I was being attacked uh, demonically um, in a supernatural realm. And as a Muslim, you know, I always tell people, I love being a Muslim in the natural, but when I started, and, and everybody doesn't have this in an overt way, mo- all of us have it in, in, a, in, in, in our existence in this realm, but in an overt way, not everybody is going to see spirits and or encounter spirits that they know is like, yo, I'm, I'm in the spirit realm and, and, and I'm displeased with you. So I was being tormented by these devils. And as Muslims, and my father was a chef, so he wasn't just like running the mill cat. He was well studied in the Hadith and the Quran. He wasn't Hafiz al Quran. He was an El Hajj. He made Hajj like, uh, I think, three times. Like, so we were like, and we were like little Muslim superstars yeah. growing up, man. Like the Muslim mm-hmm. version of the mega churches in New York City during Ramadan and the Eid celebrations, man, they would take us up. The imams would have us do the dhikr after we made salat, like all like like stuff like yes. that. So mm-hmm. I remember, um, and and I and I said this because we talk about the name Rocket and just just the uh, in that lane. I was like, man, Rocket may not ever have come to be because the way we got our name, our family name, when my father, my father was born Lawrence Skinner. So his father got the name Skinner because his, 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 my grandmother and her uh, parents, they were right at the tail end of slavery. So mm-hmm. the Skinner name came from the yes. family that wanted a job. They were like, they skinned the mules and then they, treat the leather and start, you know, make stuff out of it. And so my father's father's name was Abraham Skinner. And the last name that is my last name now was the last name of my great grandmother's. uh, So my great, great grandfather's last his his he didn't have a last name. His, His name was just Ishmael. He was a slave that came up from Cuba because that you know the slave ships would go down to the uh, Caribbean first, come around, yeah, then go up the coast, yeah. and just can't kind of do that that circle. So um, Ishmael was our oldest kind of like connection to Africa that we knew from Cuba the whole nine. And so my father was born uh, Lawrence Skinner, and when he became a Muslim, he changed his name. He was like, okay. What he did was he took his father's first name. So the Hebrew, the Hebrew pronunciation is Abraham. He took the Arabic pronunciation, Ibrahim, and 
took that as a first name instead of Lawrence and as the last name for the family name, he took the name of the oldest slave that we were able to like identify Ishmael. And he took that and said, instead of the Hebrew pronunciation Ishmael, uh, he took the Arabic pronunciation Ismael. And that was the name that he took, Ibrahim Ismail. Then I was born Raghi Ismail, my brother's Kavi Suleiman. Well, sometimes I would think, I'd be like, man, what if he, he never uh, became a Muslim and he kept his name uh, Lawrence Skinner? And then I would have been, he probably would have, because I'm the oldest son, he probably would have named that named me after him. And instead of Rocket being my nickname, I'm walking around here, Larry Skinner up in this camp. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would have worked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 somewhere off in the multiverse, man. We gonna leave that one behind, man. Because hey. yeah, we didn't rock it. That's, like that's it. a great I'm story, like, bro. Like the multiverse, you know. Yes, sir. That's a beautiful story, though. I be thinking like that sometimes. Like, yo, man, this is mm-hmm. a wild life you live in, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, indeed, yes, indeed, man. Yes, nah, indeed, I, man. I definitely, I, I appreciated this conversation so much, Absolutely. man, and, and I really enjoyed just being able to pick your brain a little bit, though. It's been so fruitful, and I, I definitely want to connect with you a little bit more after we get off of here, just so we can continue oh, yeah, some y'all got- conversations for sure, man. Bruh, let me tell you something. Numbers, emails, y'all got all that, whatever you need, however you need it. If I can help, I'm here. I do know this. All of us are, we come into this earth, we have significant value and we don't realize it, but the forces that are currently in place in the world, I call them the powers that should not be, they realize how valuable we are and they assault us as soon as we get into the womb, man. As soon as that doggone sperm hits that doggone egg and that, that let there be light manifest and they understand that we are the manifestations of the let there be light. The, the scripture says the light, the life of Christ is the light of men, mankind, and us is that light as well. And as such, we are a threat to the system, especially when we're in order. So it's very important that as we become awakened and aware of what is in us that's supposed to be out, that getting it out is shining your light and any way i can help add or ask answer questions or encourage or in any way man i'm here so yes that's that's real that's no 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 uh no uh yeah yes sir no i definitely appreciate that man yeah so we it's been a real, real, real episode. This might be the realest episode of Lucky Underdogs we done had, man. I definitely appreciate you for coming through, dropping jewels, giving us great background knowledge to you, your life, man, and them good old cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it's coming, man. But everybody out there, thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of the Lucky Underdogs podcast, brought to you by Believe Network and Good Men Productions. Signing off, it's your boy DB. It's your boy CJ. Get out of here.